Today's Fremont Food Hub podcast is brought to you by the Brown Company. Brown Company is the locally owned and operated New Holland Ag and light construction dealer right here in Riverton. They've been part of the Fremont County community for 11 years now and are well known by ag folks for their customer service and their service after the sale. Brown's proud to carry New Holland equipment for our fields around here, but they also carry lines of lawn and garden products for backyard producers too. Stop in to their shop at 39 Country Acres Road, just north of Riverton. You can also catch them online, gobrowncompany.com. This is Jack Schmidt with the Riverton Local Food Hub Podcast, the podcast where we chronicle the journey of one small town in the middle of Wyoming as we try to reestablish our local food system. There's been a lot going on in the last couple of weeks. Of course, our goal for the local food hub is to help our local food system get reestablished. We want to reclaim our local food that's left us and gone other places. We have tried to reestablish this by renting a facility that will give us a physical presence where we can have a certified kitchen that we make available for rent by the hour and also a restaurant where we can serve food that's locally sourced as much as possible. The restaurant's been going real good. We're really encouraged about the acceptance of local food in the community. We're calling our restaurant the Local Food Exchange, and we cater to the general public and the air travelers coming in and out of our wonderful town up at the airport where the restaurant is located. Now, there's two flights in and out of Riverton, and they're both in the morning and at noon. So we've set our hours from 6 a.m. to 2 p.m., And it's basically a breakfast and a lunch joint. So the breakfast menu starts, of course, with fresh homemade cinnamon rolls. We've got a young man. His name's David Martin, and he's been bringing cinnamon rolls to the farmer's market for a long time. And he's been coming up and making cinnamon rolls for us there at the local food exchange. And we also found out that he's a heck of a cook, and he's taken over about all the duties there in the kitchen at the cafe. His wife, Tina, is the gal out front that's going to take your order and and make you feel welcome. She'll keep your coffee cup full and make sure that you're happy. And I'll tell you what, that local food, fresh food, really makes a difference. We try to buy all our food as local as possible. It's a challenge, but we still got a pretty basic breakfast menu. The day, of course, always starts with coffee for people here in Wyoming. And we're so doggone lucky because we got a coffee roaster right here in Riverton. Amanda Henry has the Brown Sugar Rest Roastery right on Main Street, and she supplies our coffee for us at the local food exchange. And I'll tell you what, that fresh, locally roasted coffee makes all the difference in the world. Our breakfast meats come from Hudson, Wyoming, where Jared Hamilton has Wyoming custom meats. He buys his hogs locally, and he cures the hams and the bacons, and he he grinds some awful good sausage. Now, we'll sure buy from other producers when when they show up, but as required by the consumer health rules, as a restaurant, we have to buy inspected meat, and Jared's the only inspected meat plant in Fremont County. Now, that's going to change. There's others out there that are on the drawing board. But for right now, we're really lucky to be able to have his wonderful meat available. Also available on the breakfast menu is biscuits and gravy. Again, usually locally sourced meat, 
But the flour is problematical. When you think about it, there's no flour mills in Wyoming at all. Wyoming's not known for wheat production, although we can grow it. So down the road, maybe somebody will put in a mill, and then we can encourage our farmers to grow more wheat. But for right now, we have to source our wheat regionally. So we're going to Montana, and we're buying Montana flour. Now, local producers have been able to supply us so far with potatoes. And this time of the year, they haven't been out of the ground very long, and, and you've never had hash browns that as good as the ones that only seen the sun for a week or two. And I'll tell you what, those fresh buds really make a difference. So now let's talk eggs. As we all know, local eggs, the kind that come from the small flocks and they're a lot more desirable than factory eggs. Let's call those factory eggs commodity eggs and they come from hens that are cooped up in wire cages somewhere else in the world and they travel hundreds of miles to get here. Eggs from local chickens have access to varied diet and much more natural. They get a lot of exercise and they're far superior to commodity eggs. But consumer health rules again call for a restaurant to use graded and inspected eggs. And there are no grading or inspection facilities in Fremont County and I don't think there's any in the state of Wyoming. Therefore, our restaurant is forced to use commodity eggs. And those eggs come from God knows where. Even though there's plenty of local eggs available, we can't use them. So we're going to address this problem by putting a grading station in at the restaurant. Now, hopefully this could be the project of maybe a 4-H group or an FFA group or, 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 or somebody that would use it as an educational uh, venue. So anybody that would be interested, we really want to make this happen. So if you want to help, Get a hold of us. You can message us on Facebook or contact on the button on the website, www.fremontlocalfoodhub.com. Our goal is to help people eat better. And this would be one huge step in that direction to have local eggs. You know, when it comes to that perpetual question of which came first, the chicken or the egg, well, it looks like in our case, that egg's coming first. Now, on our lunch menu, of course, it starts with beef. This is cattle country, and I believe we've got the best hamburger in the state. It's a full third pound, and we've been buying our hamburger from Lost Wells Cattle Pup Company. They're located only about three miles from the restaurant. Now, their program is grass-fed beef, but I'll tell you what, those hamburgers are really great, and you combine that regular, that really good local burger with those local spuds that are hand-cut into french fries, and then add a little bowl of, bowl of cowboy beans made from local pinto beans that we bake right there at the restaurant. Man, you got lunch that'll stick to your ribs. And if you got a little room left, got homemade apple and pumpkin pie. Come right from the local apple growers and the, and the pumpkin patch out here north of town. Man, that's guaranteed to fill you up. So now, let's talk about the second spoke of our food hub. And that's the incubator kitchen. The certified kitchen that we're renting to food entrepreneurs as they want to expand. And we've got one of those food entrepreneurs with us today. So the purpose of the Riverton Local Food Hub is to help entrepreneurs, let's call them food entrepreneurs, get established in business. The 
big hang-up for people that want to get into the food business is, of course, regulations are there. They're necessary to some extent. And the regulations say that a food that is uh, prepared for sale must be prepared in a certified kitchen. So when we formed the Food Hub, that was one of the initial spokes is we wanted that hub to have a certified kitchen that we could rent uh, for a small fee to these food entrepreneurs that wanted to go to that next level to be able to establish a food product and bring more of that money into the community and, and to reclaim more of that retail dollar. So the gentleman that looks like is going to be our first clients with us today, Joel, uh, Joel, Joel, what's your last name? Lynn. Lynn. Joel My Lynn. gosh, I'm sorry. I apologize. So <laughs> this good. Joel's Joel's uh, kind of going to be our our poster boy for this. He's got the face for it, right? He, Joel started. I, I mean, if you're talking about being a redhead, then yeah, yeah I guess that's true. <laughs> I'll tell you, yeah, that works. Yes, that that it that is a poster child, most, right there. Most people like redheads a little much. So they they do, know. and 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 you're photogenic. You oh, know, it works. Oh, yeah. So Joel kind of Joel started. We we know him, and everybody knows knows the cheesecake guy from the farmers markets. And what Joel wants to do is take those cheesecakes, and if anybody's had them, the people that have had them know that they're knock them dead. My God, they're good. And he keeps expanding on different kinds and different sizes. And that's 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 the fun part of it is is he's got a lot of different product and it's all good. So Joel, if you would, would you kind of give us just a little history of how you got started, what your background is? People want to know who does their food, and that's you know putting we can't put a face on it right here, but we can sure get the history of it, can't we? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, like Jack said, Joel Lynn. Um, I grew up in Idaho, but moved around a lot. Um, we. Lived in Idaho, Kentucky, Tennessee, North Carolina, and then finally moved over here to Wyoming. Um, when I got started with cheesecakes, it was in North Carolina. One of our friends who was in the military asked for a cheesecake for his birthday. And I'm like, man, they always say that's tough. I'm too prideful. I've got to try it and see how it goes. So I did it. It turned out all right. It wasn't great. I kept improving upon it because prideful. And uh, eventually it got to where me and my family and my friends liked it. And I sold one or two to some friends or a cigar shop that I went to there. And eventually it just started picking up. And then when we moved here, one of the things we were excited about was the Food Freedom Act. It's a huge thing because any other state you live in, you can't do that. So let's, let's expand on that just a little bit. The Food Freedom Act is, like you say, it's ex- exclusive to... Wyoming was the first one to try this. There's been a few state, states uh, since have, have passed right. similar and legislation. I know, I know Idaho has some similar ones with their cottage laws. That right. Are working closer and closer towards looking like the Food Freedom Act. Exactly. But it's still not quite there. What the Food Freedom Act says, and it's been in effect three years now. I think it was 15 the legislature did it. What it says is between the producer and the informed consumer... There is no regulation at all and no licensing, which means it's 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 the perfect scenario because right. if 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 there that that's the perfect uh, safety requirement is if you know who made it, you know then if something's wrong, you just call them. That's right. all there is exactly. to it. It's the only requirement I had 
as a producer was to put a sign on my table that said this was produced and licensed, or this was produced in unlicensed, uncertified kitchen under the Wyoming Food Freedom Act. Correct. And that's giving the consumer the option. Do I want to take a chance? Do I want to see what he can do? And that's the informed part. Right. Between the producer and the informed consumer. Then the, and that's the way it ought, ought to be. And it really has opened things up to people like you that want to uh, experiment on a, on a, on a product. Uh, but now, as a matter of fact, there's, I'll, I'll give an example of another one that might pop up. I've got some, I got a friend that comes up to the, a couple that comes up to the restaurant, uh, about every week and they said, Oh, we got a local product that works pretty good. They said, it's a, it's a roadkill muffin. <laughs> and I'd say, Whoa, how's that work? Well, <laughs> right now we're everybody, the, the sugar beet thing is high, is high swing right now. And the, these sugar beet, they, those trucks, they fill them way up. Oh, and a lot of oh, them spill remember off. Remember, I grew up in Idaho. We yeah. were right by a sugar beet factory. So you know all about it. Oh, well, yeah. those yeah. beets are laying all over the bar ditch, you know. So they went out and they picked up some sugar beets and they started making muffins using those sugar beets. And so they call them roadkill right. sugar beets. And they are good. And I'm trying to talk them into maybe doing that commercially because that would be the perfect thing. Who knows if people would buy them? Right. But if they have the the certified kitchen to experiment with the Food Freedom Act to sell the initial ones out of, you know, then that maybe, who knows, a business might come as yours has. So let's get back to yours now. You've, you've, got, a, you've got the product and you're at the Food Freedom Act. Now what's the next step? Next step is getting into restaurants. Um, that's the reason I'm so excited about getting into the certified kitchen that you guys are setting up because... Without that, I wouldn't be able to get to the next step. I was, a couple months back, I was at a crossroads. I was either going to quit my job and do this full-time or quit this and just work a regular nine-to-five job. Um, Thankfully, at the time, I didn't have to choose. I still could do both. But now it's gotten to the point that I have that outlet. I have that certified kitchen. So now I have the ability that once I get everything filled out and ready to go, all I have to do is jump in there and I can start selling to restaurants. I have multiple that are interested. It's it's a really cool thing to think that two, three years back, I barely started this and I never would have thought it would have gotten to this point. And now it looks like it could be a viable full-time oh, yeah, o- uh, occupation. And not just full-time. It's, it's something that if this works out in the next year, I'm going to start expanding. I want to build this into something that I can eventually have for my kids and their kids one day. So something, you're thinking something a life a lifetime yeah. career. You're thinking franchises. Down. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's the American that that's our system. Somebody that has has a good idea and works hard, you know, should be able to expand on that to the extent of their of their ability, and that's Absolutely. that's what that's what the hub wants to do is help people get started. That's that's just great. Let's talk a little bit about the kitchen. So we always talk about certified kitchen. What the devil is that? You know, and it is. It's a little. Uh, it's it's not really complicated, but they do require things like a three compartment sink that you don't have in your home uh, kitchen, uh, and the right. purpose of that is the the consumer the the health department. Uh, has a protocol for washing dishes. There has to be a wash, uh, rinse, 
and a sanitized. So that takes the three compartments. So there has to be that three compartment sink. Also, there has to be non-siphon drains. And, and so houses do not have that. Uh, and it's, it's a, it would be a little bit of a, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's an expense. So not then the purpose. There's always purpose into these laws, and the purpose of that is if the sewer backs up, you don't want it backing up into some place where you're washing dishes or preparing right. food. So it makes sense. You also have to have separate hand washing sinks, yep. uh, because they watch. And we we had sink gate here a few weeks ago. You know we had quite a little sink problem, but we got it all straightened out. Right. You also have to have a dedicated uh, mop basin where your where your mop is. There has to be the the uh, walls and floors must not be permeable for uh, moisture or any kind of bacteria. So therefore, tile or or some kind of uh, uh, flooring and 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 walls. And so, it's not really practical to convert the home kitchen into a commercial kitchen. Now it has been done, but after you convert it, it's hard to have Thanksgiving at home. It's right. just not the same. Right. Okay. So that's why I wanted to explain just a little bit what a commercial kitchen is, and that's why they're they're kind of dedicated. All restaurants are are certified uh, uh, kitchens. They're they're commercial kitchens uh, that have got that, that food handler's license. Uh, so that's what that's what we why we wanted the restaurant at the airport. Number one is to help people like you. Number two, then we have a restaurant also to. To, uh, to highlight local products. And number three, it gives us a base of operation. It gives us a physical place where we can get started. So now let's talk a little bit about what your plans are now. So right now I'm just about done filling out the paperwork. I'm about to get my food handler's license so I can actually get in there and start baking. Um, once that happens, I will start making some samples up that I'll start taking around to different restaurants, um, local stores like Mr. D's, Smith's, just giving out some samples, seeing what people think, seeing if they think it is a viable product for their business. Um, right off the bat, I would probably start with some smaller places, not go for the grocery stores right off the bat because that's quite a large order that they could potentially have in a short period of time. Um, so places like Rusty Truck. Great place, great food. Started up not too long ago. Um, kind of an expansion of Cowfish yep. out in Lander. Um, also, they tell me that local food exchange at the airport is not a bad joint. They, I know, I know. They, they kind of want to. They, they said kinda, something about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They kind of want to <laughs> carry that a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, just a little, just a little. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so just getting into some smaller places at the start of it and going from there. And, and also really, be selling to individuals. Yes, uh, so mail doing, order doing thing custom, or doing yeah. custom orders. Okay, um, one of the big things I want to try to work on is figuring out shipping because I have a lot of people. Since we've moved so much, there's a lot of people over the country that uh, we know that I've that have had my cheesecake or that just want it and would love to be sent some. But right now, it's just so expensive to do. Yep, that it's very difficult. Frozen um, is that? Is, yep. it, so is you, normally so you can you buy them? Thawed and frozen from you, or, or just in frozen form um, and thaw them out? No, it's most all my orders right now are just fresh. It's ah, custom okay. orders right now. Okay. So nothing is frozen at the moment. Um, eventually, once I get into shipping and stuff, 
that's when I'll start doing frozen ones. I'll have some on stock. So when people call me from, let's say, Idaho, and I don't have time to drive down for the weekend for 10 deliveries, I can just grab one out of the freezer, package it up, and ship it. Oh, good. Okay. Um, but for the meantime, just fresh, fresh custom fresh. orders. Okay. Um, in any flavor. So let's back up just a little bit to that food handler's license that you're talking about. And we had a, you were been a big part. Actually, Joel's been a very big part of setting policy for what we're doing up here. He's a, he's been, he's been kind of our uh, experimental uh, uh, well, enterprise. You can, just, you can just put it how it is. Uh, I'm the guinea pig. Yeah, that's it. it, that's, it there works, you go. It works. I, I wouldn't say piss and post. <laughs> I'd say guinea pig. Okay. I can't say that on so we had a meeting last. One of the big things that Consumer Health told us uh, that I thought might really squelch this thing was that whoever comes up to rent the kitchen is going to be required to buy a food handler's license. And that food handler's license that, that, that Joel mentioned, we had to buy one for the restaurant. You have to go through a procedure, and it's, it's rather lengthy. It's a... Uh, well, there's a dozen pages or so in that application. Yeah, in there. there's there's 13 pages, but okay. they are working on narrowing it down because there's a lot of stuff that isn't necessarily needed for what we're doing right. specifically. Right. Um, but overall, the big part is it's a hundred bucks. The first year is a hundred dollars, and after that's fifty dollars a year. And what my thinking was that for people that just want it, my, our roadkill muffin person is not going to put out that hundred dollars. You know, for for just to try that. So at our meeting that we had a week ago Wednesday, and we had all the consumer health there. There were six consumer health representatives there, plus the uh, the director of agriculture with the state of Wyoming drove up up from from Cheyenne to attend that, uh, and also the head of consumer health out of Cheyenne uh, came for for it. So we were we were very impressed at how much they. Uh, are trying to, uh, to to work with us. And what we found out at that meeting is the, the law is there because of federal laws and other requirements uh, that, that very specifically says anybody that sells food has to have a food handler's license. Right. Now, the consumer health is not the one that put the $100 fee on it. Right. That was the legislature. So that's, they said, you know, we, and they're exactly right. They have to comply with the law. But that the, the dollar figure can be set by the legislature. And Tim Salazar, I want to give him a great big tip of the hat because he was there. And he's been very, very involved in this process. And so uh, he and I think David Miller are going to introduce legislation this year to lower that $100 fee, which they can do. Right. Fairly easily. Right. And, and that's the thing. They, to some degree, they do have to make a little bit of money because there's things it has to go to. Um, but if it can be lowered and they still make a little bit, then that's awesome. Yeah. We should. And maybe it can be put on a sliding scale. When you're starting, it just starts out. The other thing that they agreed to do is when they're very like, – like, let's use our roadkill uh, muffin again. If she would want to come up and go to work for me at the restaurant – she could make her muffins, and I could and sell them to me at the restaurant, and and that would be a proof of concept kind of a thing to see if people liked them. Right. So for the very first part, until people know that they have a product that will sell, there's a way they can get into it without costing anything. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And like you were saying, it's as long as they're an employee. 
then they don't have to have the food handler's license. But once they start selling by themselves, selling to you or to anyone else, that's when they have to get that food handler's license. Right. Right. And that's which, and that's the way it ought to be. Yeah. I mean that's that's the law and my gosh, we'll 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 do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So this is this is exciting. So let's 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 uh let's recap just a little bit. Uh so if, if have you got a name for your company? Yeah, yeah, it's uh J. Wyatt Cheesecakes. There you go. Put that on the wall, J. Wyatt Cheesecakes. And how would they get a hold of you? Well, they can get a hold of me over a phone number, which is 307-349-6762, or through email, which is jwlynn at 97 at gmail.com, as well as on Facebook at jycheesecakes.com. I'm on there every day I check it. So if you ever need to get a hold of me, order a cheesecake, just let me know. And we'll put all these in the show notes, too, if people people want to contact you. So, kind of your timeline. When can we when can we start eating cheesecake? <laughs> so, um, looking at it right now, I'd say within two to three weeks, I should be in the kitchen baking. So that means okay. Da, 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 da. So by right before Thanksgiving. Yep. Wow. Yep. Just your timing is just perfect. You know that. Yep. Yep. So <laughs> I'm hoping for Thanksgiving that I can get at least one cheesecake to a couple different restaurants and see what they think of it for Thanksgiving, even if it's just a a, a discounted price on it, just to give them an example of what I do and what I can do. So what's the shelf life on a piece of cheesecake, So as, if it's refrigerated? So refrigerated, you're looking at about a week, week and a half. Wow, cool. Um, but if you freeze it, it's actually good for up to five weeks. There you go. Okay. From what I found. And it may be a little longer with certain cheesecakes and uh, how your freezer is and everything. But uh, the general time is five weeks in the freezer and a week to week and a half in the fridge. Well, we're going we're gonna to have them up at the, at the airport at the, at the local food exchange. And I almost guarantee they won't last very doggone long. Oh, I guarantee it. I guarantee it. I mean, I come out with a new flavor and it's gone in minutes. And that, oh, that's, that's, that's the fun part. I, I could tell you really enjoy that. Oh, the, yeah. the flavors that you have and those bites. Oh yeah. You know, I the, love the, those. The bites are the biggest thing. And those I actually came up with on accident. So I was, I was out of my normal slice packages because normally I make a large cheesecake for the farmer's market. Right. I slice it up into 16 slices and I package it. I was out of packages. I couldn't get them in time. Went to Walmart, saw these miniature cupcake pans. I was like, you know what? That would be good. So I grabbed a few of them, grabbed some nonstick spray, went home, mixed it all up, figured out the proportions, got it in the pan, baked it, turned out awesome. And from there, just kept going. I did, um, I think the first week was caramel apple. Then and that one sold probably I think within forty five minutes to an hour sold out. Then the next week I believe I did the peanut butter chocolate, so the Reese's yeah. cheesecake bite, oh, and yeah. that one was actually completely dipped in chocolate. So it was a regular graham cracker crust. That's a bonbon. Oh, it's so good, so good, delicious. My pastor actually bought twenty two of them. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to you. Yeah. You buy the best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and never mind about the gluttony part. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we'll we'll yeah, talk yeah, about that yeah, later. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, so it's a, it's a really good one. It's one I really like. Um, but yeah, it's a peanut butter batter, 
graham cracker crust and then completely dipped in a milk chocolate. Um, and you just stick it in the freezer for a few minutes, let it harden up, and you're good to go. Um, and that one was probably one of the best sellers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, folks, I tell you what, this is kind of the whole thing. The whole local food is very exciting, and and the, and the acceptance of that we're having in this little town of Riverton is is just amazing. But I tell you what, there might be. This might you might be t- listening to a young man right here that in just a few years is going to be. Uh, it might be like Sarah Lee, you know. Joel Lynn might be Sarah Lee. Who knows? Because it's 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 he's got the, he's got the drive and he's got a heck of a product. Well, I mean, I think I look a little better, but well, we'll leave that for other discussions. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Joel, thanks a lot. Absolutely, it was a good time. Winter came in with a vengeance this year with temperatures. At zero or below the last couple of days of October. So at the local food exchange, we made a great big old pot of potato soup. So for our poem this week, I thought I'd share our recipe with you. Here's how we make potato soup. Well, it's winter in Wyoming, and the gentle breezes blow 40 miles an hour, and it's 25 below. I love it in Wyoming, with the snow up to my butt. I take a breath of fresh air, my nostrils freeze tight shut. So here's a warm and hearty dish that'll help unstick your frozen snoot. It's quick and cheap and easy, a ranch hen's favorite. Potato soup. You can use most any tuber, but a russet tops the list. You can even skin leftover bakers, but peeled and boiled is probably best. Now... You'll need two yellow onions and about six cloves of garlic, I'd say. Knock off the skins and dice them up and then oil and butter saute. And when they turn translucent, add six cups of good chicken stock. Season well with salt and ground pepper. Just let it sit there and perk till it gets pretty hot. Now get a whole stick of butter and about two cups of good sour cream. Mash this with four of them taters and... Grate in some Parmesan cheese. Now mix these two parts together and garnish with chopped parsley shoots. Now you're ready for a Wyoming winter with piping hot potato soup. For the Riverton Local Food Hub, this is Jack Schmidt.